everyone, and welcome to a Friday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you with me. We have to set the stage for Browns-Bengals Battle of Ohio. We will get, of course, to Ohio State-Nebraska, other big college football games of the weekend. Game day headed to Cincinnati. And Aaron Rodgers is in the throes of cancel culture, the crosshairs of cancel culture. He says we will see whether he is or he isn't, according to our judgment. But first, we hope when it comes to court judgments, you are going with the best representation you can possibly get. And that is, of course, our friends at Willis Spangler Starling. They are phenomenal attorneys. They are located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard, just a little bit north of Home Depot and the Mill Run area. They will do a great job for you. And if you want to be represented on something like wills, estate planning, probate, personal injury, social security, disability, anything of the sort, any case that might cross your palate, then you want to be with Willis Spangler Starling. Their partners will do a phenomenal job for you. They've done a phenomenal job for me. They're the official attorney firm of the We Tackle Life podcast and of Bruce Hooley. So do not Waste your time on other attorneys who will not do as good of a job. Go with Willis Spangler Starling there online at willisattorneys.com. That's willisattorneys.com. All right, Ohio State has the big noon kickoff on Saturday. Joel Klatt, Gus Johnson, can't wait to watch that with the mute button on. Scott Frost really needs a win, man. He really needs a win. Uh, This would certainly catapult him into next season. If you think back to the very first time Scott Frost coached against Ohio State, in Ohio Stadium, J.D. Spielman, uh, Chris Spielman's nephew, Rick Spielman's adopted son, had a big day that day, and Adrian Martinez was a freshman quarterback, and there were really like one or two passes in that game if Adrian Martinez and J.D. Spielman had been able to connect on them. Nebraska might very well have won that game. I don't know how that would have changed things for Scott Frost. I know this, they would have had a signature win, which they don't have yet in his fourth year, They are losing a lot of games by margins that people assume they could win the game rather than lose. When you lose by a score or less, and they equate eight points to a score or less because you can get a touchdown and a two-point conversion, then Nebraska fans are like, well, if you're that close, why can't you win? Well, maybe it's great that they are close. Now, you can say he's been there four years. They should be more than close. I'll listen to that. But they should not be close to Ohio State tomorrow, and I think it would be silly to make up your mind about Scott Frost as a head coach going forward because Ohio State blew you out. Like, if Ohio State blowing you out means you should be fired, uh, then there would be, what, no other coaches in the Big Ten? Maybe James Franklin? That's about it. Uh, So uh, this is where Nebraska finds itself. I think their frustration is not that they can't beat Ohio State tomorrow, which they most certainly will not. Their frustration is they can't contend for the Big Ten West. And I think four years in, they thought they would be contending for the Big Ten West. They thought they would be winning games uh, like they've been losing to schools like Minnesota. That's what hurts at Nebraska. But Ohio State tomorrow, what you want to do is you want to come out of this game healthy. You want to come out of this game with momentum Second half of the season is clearly a much tougher schedule than Ohio State has faced in the first part of the season. Uh, The Buckeyes are fifth in the college football playoff rankings. They are in perfect shape to make the playoff. The loss to Oregon clearly will not have dramatic ramifications for Ohio State. I think uh, if it comes down to Ohio State and Oregon, with the margins that I expect Ohio State to win by coming up um, against Purdue, Michigan State, and Michigan in the next three weeks, 
I think Ohio State would pass Oregon. And even though Oregon won at Ohio Stadium, even though Oregon didn't have Kayvon Thibodeau, I think Ohio State will parlay some of those ratings. Like right now, Michigan State is number two, uh, excuse me, number three in the country going into Purdue tomorrow. Uh, Ohio State wants Michigan State to win that game. I know that it's always uh, a source for chortling when Michigan loses and when Penn State loses to a team like Illinois and when Purdue goes into Iowa and beats Iowa. But really, like all three of those hurt Ohio State's chances. I don't think they were fatal to Ohio State's chances to get into the playoff as a one-loss team. But you'd rather have Iowa be undefeated. You'd rather have Michigan be undefeated. You'd rather have Penn State come in here with uh, you know just the Iowa loss. So you should be rooting for Michigan State tomorrow at Purdue is what I'm telling you. I know Purdue's won at number three Iowa, and a win over number three Michigan State would be theoretically something that then when you beat Purdue next week, you go, ooh, look at Purdue. Well, Purdue's not ranked right now. So I think you'd rather Michigan State stay up there at third than have Purdue nose its way into the top 25 at number 20. So uh, we'll see. I Do I think Michigan State could lose to Purdue? Sure, why not? I don't think Michigan State's a super team. I've said I don't think Michigan's a super team. There's one super team in the Big Ten. There's always, over the last, what, 10 years plus, one super team in the Big Ten. I never buy anybody until I see them play against Ohio State. That offense Penn State put on the field last week is not good enough to be a top-10 team. That offense Michigan has is not good enough to be a top-10 team. That offense Michigan State has is not good enough to be a top-10 team. Ohio State's offense is a top three offense. And so Ohio State's not going to struggle with any of those teams. And my guess is they'll win the Nebraska game eh, 42 to 14, maybe. 42 to 14 is how that one feels to me. Other good games on the college football weekend, uh, besides Michigan State and Purdue, um, Maryland, uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. Wisconsin's been on a roll lately. They're at Rutgers. It wouldn't surprise me if Wisconsin lost to Rutgers. Just now when Bucky the Badger is starting to feel good about itself and maybe the fact that uh, Graham Mers is not a complete and total bust at quarterback, I still think it's possible that Paul Chris' team could go in there and could lose. Oregon, number four, at Washington. Could Washington beat Oregon? I don't think so. Uh, but that would that would be one. Now, if you want to root for a team to lose, there you root for Oregon to lose because then it will take them out of the uh, comparative with Ohio State. Really isn't a lot of other headliners on the schedule. I mean, typically, LSU at Alabama would be a headliner. Not so much with LSU firing Ed Orgeron. Tennessee at Kentucky, that's not one that you typically get too excited about, and you certainly don't typically think that Kentucky will be the ranked team in that one, and Tennessee will not. So, no, it's not a great college football weekend. Michigan plays at home against Indiana at 730. That could get interesting. That could get interesting. How does Michigan bounce back? from its loss to Michigan State. So other than that, uh, you'll be able to uh, enjoy what should be a beautiful Saturday. Uh, it's too bad there's not great football on on Saturday night because you get an extra hour of sleep with turning your clocks back. Uh, speaking of uh, staying up late, you might be up late if you drink uh, caffeinated coffee. I just hope you're drinking it from Hemisphere because Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee is the best coffee you will find anywhere. Uh, where can you get awesome-tasting coffee from Nicaragua, Indonesia, Thailand, foreign growers, hand-picked every single bean. Well, you can get it from Hemisphere. But where can you get great coffee if there is another place? And also know that you're helping 
impoverished communities and furthering ministry efforts around the world, only at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. That is their tandem mission, to bring you the absolute positively best coffee and to do business and ministry together. Let's do a little business right now. You order from Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee uh, website at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com, you'll get 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE. Make sure it's in all caps when you type it into the promo code bar, WETACKLELIFE, in all caps, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Well, it happened. It happened today. The Odell Beckham Browns marriage is finito. The Browns have released Odell Beckham Jr. Now listen. I don't hate to say I told you so. Everybody always starts a question. I hate to say I told you so, when really what the translation of that is, is I actually love to tell you I told you so, and I'm about to tell you I told you so. So I'm not going to lie. I rather enjoy saying I told you so. And all you Browns fans who were supremely excited about getting Odell Beckham because you saw him make a one-handed catch on Monday Night Football and you thought, wow, he's going to do that for us. He's going to have a 1,000 yards for us. You now know, 29 games later, that Odell Beckham Jr. is exactly the same Odell Beckham Jr. that he was in the latter days of his career with the New York Jets, or New York Giants. He was not a 1,000-yard receiver. He was not a Pro Bowl receiver. He was not a player who was worth the trouble that he brought into your locker room, into your team culture, and onto your practice field. He just wasn't. Yes, he had two, two out of 29 games, two 100-yard receiving games. He's really good in Dallas a couple years ago, whoop-de-doo. But overall, was it a net gain or a net loss having Odell Beckham around? It was a net loss, but it's not a net loss you can't recover from. However, all that said, all my admonitions over the years to trade Odell Beckham and to not trade for Odell Beckham in the beginning— it must also be said that I think the Browns releasing Odell Beckham so that he can either sign with someone else for the contract that he has, which won't happen, or clear waivers and be signed by any one of the other 31 teams in the NFL with the Browns paying probably all $7 million that they owe him on his salary this year is beyond stupid. Beyond stupid. There are all kinds of lists that I'm sure the Browns could have put Odell Beckham Jr. on. You could have certainly every week put him on the inactive list. You could practice him if he was willing to come to practice and you wanted him to come to practice. And you could have just simply declared him inactive on Sunday. You could have probably put him on the conduct detrimental to the team list. You could have put him, I don't care, on the island of perpetual tickling if you want to. But to... Put him in a situation where he's now in another team's uniform, particularly another AFC team's uniform, with the motivation and necessity of playing well the remaining games of the season, nine, to prove that he's worth a big contract from either that team or another team in the offseason, to me is indefensible by the Cleveland Browns. I do agree with the concept of addition by subtraction. And I would not have allowed Odell Beckham back on the field unless and until he apologized to my entire team for his stupidly transparent actions 
of having his dad release a bunch of film clips on Instagram that, look, I'm open and Baker Mayfield can't find me. Now, you know this is coming from the only member of people who podcast and talk about the Cleveland Browns who was not all in on Baker Mayfield being a franchise quarterback of the Browns. The jury's still out on Baker Mayfield, but he deserves a fair trial. And looking at a bunch of videos on Instagram of Odell Beckham presumably being open and not being thrown the ball is not a fair trial by anyone. Because here's the deal with not just the Browns offense, but every offense in the NFL. Have you ever watched the All-32 from behind a quarterback or ever on Sunday afternoon when they show a replay from behind the quarterback and you see the play unfold and you think to yourself, holy smokes, how did that quarterback see that guy? How did he throw it into that window? How did he know he was going to be open? It's a little thing called timing and accuracy. Timing on the part of the receiver and accuracy on the part of the quarterback. Baker Mayfield's half of that equation is accuracy. Odell Beckham's half of that equation is timing. You have to be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And he may be where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there, but watching him on film be open somewhere on the field at some juncture of the play proves exactly nothing. Nothing. The film from Odell Beckham Jr.'s father was designed to do exactly what it did do, make the people who are unfamiliar with how the National Football League and the passing game works think that, look at this, Odell Beckham Jr. is always open, and Baker Mayfield never throws it to him. Well, I find it highly suspicious that that would be true, because why would that benefit Baker Mayfield? Why would that benefit the Cleveland Browns? Wouldn't that be something that Kevin Stefanski would attend to? Of course. So is it entirely possible that Baker Mayfield has missed Odell Beckham a time or two or even 10? Yes. Is it entirely possible that Odell Beckham might run a route that is tardy or imprecise? Yes, that is possible too. But his father's Instagram post and LeBron James' weak sauce tweet about free OBJ were clearly orchestrated attempts to get Odell Beckham Jr. out of the Browns' facility into effective free agency. And the Browns said, sure, sure, let us go help. Oh, I don't know, the Baltimore Ravens or the New England Patriots or, heaven forbid, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals are not going to sign Odell Beckham because they've already had their fill of those kinds of receivers with Chad Ochocinco and Terrell Owens. They're already over their limit. They were the pioneers of diva wide receivers. And by the way, they have Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and um, T. Higgins, and they don't need Odell Beckham. But somebody's going to sign him. And I have no doubt he's going to play like his hair's on fire, whatever color his hair happens to be this particular week. And the Cleveland Browns will have nobody to blame but themselves if he ends up on the Kansas City Chiefs or some other team that the Browns play in a playoffs. Imagine him in San Diego, San Diego, in L.A. with the Chargers, with Mike Williams on one side and Odell Beckham on the other. I just think this was the wrong move by the Cleveland Browns. Wrong move, wrong move, wrong move, wrong move. Getting him 
trying to make it work, not trading him in the offseason, not trading him at the trade deadline. Of course, nobody's going to trade for him. Sixth-round pick, seventh-round pick. People go, I can't believe he didn't fetch a sixth or a seventh-round pick. If you're interested in Odell Beckham, let's say you're a bad team. You're interested in Odell Beckham. You think you can make a playoff push. You look at the standings. The waiver wire works in reverse order, okay? So if you're a team and the Browns call you and say, hey, wouldn't you like to have Odell Beckham on your roster? You say, I would. And you know what I think I'll do? I think I'll wait till after the trade deadline when you most clearly and definitely are going to release him and I'll just sign him for a pittance as opposed to claiming him off waivers and taking him at the contract you stupidly paid him. So that is why they were unable to get a sixth-round pick or a seventh-round pick or a conditional pick or a bag of balls or an air compressor to fill the balls or the needles to stick in the balls to fill with the air compressor for Odell Beckham, who now, with both teams he's played with in the National Football League, has worn out his welcome. Remember this, folks. Remember this. I think Clay Travis said it. Maybe... Oh, Bruce, I can't listen to the wisdom of Clay Travis. Maybe he just quoted somebody else, but he's absolutely right. When an athlete gets paid, and Odell Beckham was unhappy in New York because he wasn't being paid what he thought he was worth, so the Browns were willing to pay him. When an athlete gets paid, he does not become a different guy. He becomes more of the kind of guy he's already been. So the Giants actually paid him a big salary, and then he wanted out and got out. And Look, when you sign a guy who's not been happy, you're not going to make him happy. And this also works for other characteristics of players. And if you're a Browns fan, you should know this because I'm going to mention one guy's name, and you're going to go, okay, you got me. Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon is unable to handle his addiction issues. And how many times did the Browns think, oh, we can't live without Josh Gordon? If only we could get Josh Gordon right. Well, there's one thing that has to happen for Josh Gordon to get right, and that is Josh Gordon has to want to get right. He never wanted to get right more than he wanted to be an addict. And Odell Beckham Jr., probably because he keeps getting what he wants, a new team when he was on the Giants, and now another new team when he's on the Browns, will never cease to be what he already is. He'll just be more of what he has been. Now, as for the Browns and the Bengals on Sunday in Cincinnati, uh, the Bengals are favored, and I understand why the Bengals are favored, and I think the Bengals should be favored. My question in this game is, can the Bengals protect Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow has been sacked a lot, a lot, 20 times already. And you look at Miles Garrett, and you look at, Tack McKinley, and you look at, you know, the other guys that the Browns have, Clowney, the linebacking core, mm-hmm, maybe Joe Burrow goes down and goes down hard. But Big Ben is a statue compared to Joe Burrow, and the Browns showed, or certainly uh, conveyed, no interest in sacking Ben Roethlisberger last week. Teams play better after playing terrible. The Browns played terrible last week all over the field. The uh, week-to-week nature of the NFL should not be lost upon any of you. People can be terrible one week and outstanding the next. The problem is the Bengals were bad last week, too. You blow a double-figure lead in the fourth quarter against the New York Jets, 
and lose a game you clearly should have won. It's not like the Bengals are going to show up Sunday at Paul Brown Stadium and go through the motions either. So that's why they're favored. The Browns' secondary has been very disappointing this year. A lot of it is injury-related. But with Boyd and Chase and Uzama and Higgins and Mixon out of the backfield and Joe Burrow pulling the trigger at home, I favor the Cincinnati Bengals. And so do the odds makers by two and a half. So the Browns won't have Odell Beckham. We don't know if they'll have Jarvis Landry either. It'll be, it'll be, it is a game the Browns have to have. I mean, they do. You're not, you're four and five. I don't think you're making the playoffs at four and six. I don't think you're making the playoffs at four and six. And what are you going to do? Win uh, seven in a row? Hmm. Don't think so. So Browns, Bengals, Battle of Ohio. The Battle of Ohio so far has not really been what I think it has the potential to be, which is an NFL rivalry that captivates people for a decade or more because of the fact that both cities found their franchise quarterback in close proximity to each other in the NFL draft. Both are Heisman Trophy winners and number one overall picks, Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield. This has the potential to be a rivalry people keep their eyes on the way they kept their eyes on Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, and neither team has been able to generate much success in the postseason as of yet. That's what it'll take for anybody around the league to pay attention to this, but certainly people in Ohio um, have their focus on it and should have their focus on it because it now looks like it's going to be a great game because the Bengals are uh, not a joke at all, and uh, Joe Burrow is most definitely not a joke, so we'll see how that goes. Now, the other big story, first of all, let me remind you that uh, health insurance, this is an open enrollment period. You can, if you're an individual, only change your health insurance during a period of like six or seven weeks a year. This is that period. And if you are an individual and you think, well, I like my health insurance. I'm not going to change it. I'm paying for it myself. I looked at it. It's fine. You may have noticed that in our world right now, prices are rising. Lots of things are changing. And there's a competitive environment out there to attract customers. You are in the driver's seat. You are, you are like Odell Beckham. You have leverage when it comes to health insurance here. The Browns didn't want Odell around because he's a knucklehead. Insurance companies do want you around. They want you on their customer roles. And if you're one of those customers that's been with the same company for 10 years and you think, oh, I've never been sick. I've got good insurance. How do you know? The wrong time to find out is when you need it. Why not go to the website that I recommend, auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com. Let them evaluate what insurance you have and let them tell you if it's a good deal or not. It's a free service. Business owners, they can really help you come up with a questionnaire to find out what employees want. Don't assume they want health insurance. They may not. Get with auiinfo.com. Make a purposeful decision. Make sure you're getting your money's worth. Branch out from there. A-U-I-Info.com, A-U-I-Info.com. Okay, the other big story in the National Football League is Aaron Rodgers has tested positive for COVID. Aaron Rodgers will not play Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. And Aaron Rodgers is now going to, and he knows it, hear it from the people who are vaccine proponents. I know there are many people who are vaccine proponents, and that's fine. It's a personal choice. I'm willing to let you make your personal choice. I just would ask that you let me make my personal choice. Aaron Rodgers in August was asked about the vaccine and said, I'm immunized. 
for people who are not vaccinated. I understand it. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I instantly thought to myself, hmm, I wonder what immunized means. I don't know why, other than bad reporting, none of the people who cover the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers thought to say, so Aaron, when you say you're immunized, does that mean you're vaccinated? Have you received the COVID-19 vaccine? Pretty simple question. Nobody asked it. And he's been doing his press conferences without a mask. He's been doing things that are, look, whether you think they're wise or unwise, they are indisputably in violation of NFL policy. If you're not vaccinated, and Cole Beasley of the Bills isn't, Carson Wentz isn't, Kirk Cousins isn't, those guys have a different set of rules. They're not allowed to eat with their teammates. They're not allowed to be without a mask in the facility, blah, 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 blah. Aaron Rodgers has been without a mask in the facility. So what's the NFL going to do? Are they going to suspend Aaron Rodgers for four games? They've been very vigilant in their COVID protocols. If you're the Bears or the Lions or the Vikings in their division, are you going to say, oh, well, look at Aaron Rodgers. He fooled everybody with his immunization comment. Or are you going to say, hmm, our playoff chances would be considerably higher if Aaron Rodgers is sitting out for four games. I don't see any way around Aaron Rodgers getting suspended for four games. I'm not saying I think it's the right decision. I can believe that Aaron Rodgers ought to get suspended for four games because he violated the rules and fully knew the rules and still tell you that I think the rules are stupid. I think the NFL is for extremely physically highly conditioned athletes parlaying a possibility of COVID into something that it really is not. But that's neither here nor there. They have a rule. Everybody abides by the rule. He didn't abide by the rule. We'll see what happens. I don't disagree with him when he says, I realize I'm in the crosshairs of the woke mob right now. So before my final nail gets put in my cancel culture casket, I think I would like to set the record straight on so many of the blatant lies that are out there about myself. So he thinks he's the victim of a witch hunt. Um, he has his own reasons for doing what he does. But... I've never said that a person should avoid the consequences uh, that are established if established legally on COVID protocols. I've made my choice. I've made my choice for me and my family. It's nobody else's business. I'll deal with the consequences of whatever that choice is, as I'm sure Aaron Rodgers will. But the pushback for him to get suspended here is not going to just come from the cancel culture brigade. It's also going to come from other teams in the league. Like, if you have to play them over the next couple weeks, like, you don't want him out there on that field. You want to win the game. If you're in his division, you don't want him out there on that field. You want to have a better chance to make the playoffs. So uh, that's what I see, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, Final ad read today. A reminder that, of course, well, actually, I've done all my ad reads. Now that I think about it, I've done Willis, I've done AUI, and I've done Hemisphere. So let's just transition right into the faith portion of the podcast. Okay, I'm going to try to be a little bit cryptic here in the faith portion of the podcast because a few months ago, I had a conversation with someone who I've had many pleasant and amicable conversations with over the years. I reached out to this person because it was very clear to me from something uh, that I saw them generate content-wise that their position on an issue differed greatly from my position on an issue. And so I reached out to them and I said, I would like to have you come on my radio show and explain your position 
It's different than my own. We'll have a civil conversation about it, and I think people will benefit from this amicable civil conversation between two people who are passionate about what they believe but just believe different things. I did not expect, but I did very definitely receive a hard no on that invitation. And in the midst of that hard no, uh, things were said to me that were uh, what I felt were extremely unfair, uh, extremely blunt, and extremely untrue. And I'd be less than honest if I didn't say that the things that person said to me, uh, they made me mad, (laughs) they made me resentful, and um, yeah, they did. And I have pondered those things many times since. I've not had any further conversations with the person. I am 100% convinced that I understand what I believe and why I believe it. And I'm also 100% convinced that he's perfectly entitled to disagree with me. I think it's a shame that our friendship and that our uh, interactions have to cease because of his choice, not because of mine. And so today, I heard this person offer an opinion on the Baker Mayfield-Odell Beckham matter. And the opinion was, well, I really think, you know, this was unnecessary because I think these two guys should be forced to sit down and talk about their differences. And I'm like listening to this and I'm like, "Mm, yeah, that would be nice if you would have extended that same courtesy to me. So I, before generating, you know, a stupid text or a, you know, snarky response. I took a deep breath. By the way, the value of a deep breath should not be underrated. A deep breath is cleansing. So I took a deep breath or or three, and I prayed for wisdom, for what's God telling me in the midst of this. And so I thought about the fact that the two of us are probably not going to change our respective positions on how we feel about the other. This person thinks that it is perfectly fine for him to shut me out of his life and discussions, and I feel like that's not the right decision. We're probably not going to change our minds on that. But as someone who wants to live my life according to how Jesus Christ calls me to live, I would be wrong to harbor anger and bitterness toward this person because what I would be doing is not extending him the same grace and forgiveness that Christ has extended to me. I don't believe that the person I'm talking about, that I'm in the midst of this um, kind of cold war with, is a saved person. I believe they would tell you they are a very um, compassionate person. And I think they would probably tell you that I am not a very compassionate person. And so I forced through this lens to confront how do I feel and how do I treat people who do not adhere to scriptural principles and a biblical worldview? Do I look at them 
and think they're stupid and delight in their eventual destruction? Or do I look at them with the compassion that God looks at them? There is no doubt that God has a standard of holiness that cannot be compromised. So he does not tolerate um, rebellion. But God's intolerance for rebellion never spills over into anger toward those who rebel against him. And because his nature is also a nature of love, my nature needs to be that. I'm called to live like he is. I'm called to, I am called to emulate the characteristics of God. And so that doesn't mean I can't uh, forcefully argue my positions that are scriptural positions. It, um, I think, is incumbent upon me to do that because we know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, we know that the book of Proverbs says, do not add to my words or I will prove you a liar. So I don't feel I'm wrong to argue biblical standards of behavior. This person who uh, is um, at odds with me would has said flat out that I'm a hateful person because I argue those things. And I can disagree with him, but I cannot delight in or target him for hard feelings just because he hurt my feelings. I should be the, I need to be the bigger boy and say, okay, well, we disagree. And I understand why we disagree because your prism through which you view life is different than mine. And I'm sad about that. First and foremost, I'm sad about that because I think there's really going to be a dire consequence for that if you don't change and have a course correction. Um, but you're certainly not going to be attracted to the course correction that I would recommend if I don't emulate those characteristics to you. So I hope that I can handle it uh, better if we ever have another interaction. And I, the first one wasn't angry on my part. It was just like, mm, okay. Uh, but I'm not justified in harboring those feelings in my heart either. So I uh, hope that that hid the identity. All the names were, there, no names were changed to protect the innocent, but no names were disclosed to to keep people anonymous uh, in this faith portion of the podcast. So I hope you guys understand where I'm coming from on that. Hope you got something out of it. Hope it can be a little bit um, uh, instructive for you. And uh, hope you have a great weekend. That will uh, do it for us. Uh, hope you get out to a high school football game. Hope you enjoy the Buckeye game, the Browns and the Bengals game. It's always nice to have you guys listening. Leave me a review on iTunes. Uh, you can also email the show, we tackle life at gmail.com. We tackle life at gmail.com. Back Monday to talk about the Buckeyes weekend, the Battle of Ohio, here on the We Tackle.